0: This episode of Today on Broadway is supported by Heartbeat Opera. If you're a fan of Shakespeare, opera, or drag queens, or all of the above, then you don't want to miss the Heartbeat Opera's upcoming show. The indie opera company called Bold and Vivid by the New York Times returns for their annual Halloween Drag Extravaganza. This year's theme? All the world's drag. Shakespeare in love with opera. Join Heartbeat Opera for a fun night of eye-popping Elizabethan fashion, dazzling musical performances, and Halloween revelries. The show returns for just two nights, October 30th and 31st, at the National Sawdust in Brooklyn. Tickets
1: on sale now at heartbeatopera.org. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, October 27th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini.
0: And I am Broadway stars James Marino.
1: You, You saw that first item on the script and you got a little down, didn't you? Yeah, you know, I should read these scripts before we start. (laughs) I literally send them to you like 15 (laughs) seconds before we start. Anyway, so, James, we've talked about it earlier this week. We've been avoiding it ever since. Hmm. Our two alma maters playing a highly anticipated football game tomorrow. Uh, Your Penn State Nittany Lions, still not a thing, uh, are (laughs) second ranked and undefeated. However, my sixth ranked Ohio State Buckeyes are actually favored by a touchdown. Um, So we put it out there on social media yesterday about maybe we should have a wager. Um, And some of the comments uh, were maybe the loser should have to sing the other's fight song or, or, or something like that. How do you how do you feel about these? How confident are you? In your non-existent fake lions, bring it. <laughs> so here, here's the thing: someone said we should we should have to sing it on the podcast. A, you used to get paid to sing; I never have, <laughs> so I think that's a little unfair. But we are going to be seeing each other here in a few weeks. I mean, like uh, you know, like a week after the game. So I think what we should actually do is we should have we should record it like video. Um, When we're in person to make sure that the other one is doing it properly, maybe the winner brings the other a piece of the other school's paraphernalia to have to wear while they sing it. We'll record it. We'll post the video on social media, but we'll also play the audio on the show. How does that sound?
0: Uh, That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Thursday night. Um, you know, you're gonna be going to Hamilton and Hamilton's is yeah. right by
1: Juniors and Juniors has cheesecake. Cheesecake. Which do you prefer? Cheesecake or Strudel? Cheesecake. No. That's a guys and guys and dolls reference. cheesecake, strudel. <laughs> um so, so what do you think? Are we are we doing the, the singing wager? What do you think?
0: Uh I I don't think that we should subject our listeners to uh the singing. I don't know, I'm okay. not sure. But uh All right. but maybe we could uh we, we could play. You know, the blue band is certainly much better than the Ohio State band.
1: <laughs> no, it, it, Ohio State's got the best damn band in the land, and that's everybody knows that Penn State actually started copying Ohio State band traditions. But like, we'll not get there. So what we'll do is, is we will have some sort of wager that we'll decide. We'll do it on the show. You'll hear it. You'll be hearing a lot of the Ohio State fight song. I, you know, I predict. But anyway, so we'll figure that out off air, James. But uh, all right. Either way, I hope you enjoy the game and end up crying for the rest of Saturday night.
0: Oh, the only reason I'll be crying is because Robbie Roselle is so damn talented.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, later on Saturday night, after the game, our friend Robbie Roselle will make his triumphant Feinstein's Fifty Four Below return at nine thirty p.m. As we've discussed, Laura and Linda Venanti will be his opening act at seven p.m. <laughs> I think. I think there's a few tickets left to Robbie's show. I saw um, him pushing a, few, a discount code yesterday on social media. I don't know if that discount code is still applicable, but if you have nothing to do on Saturday night, I guarantee that uh, Robbie's show will be entertaining. uh, And he's got some great guests lined up as well. So um, definitely recommend that. We've got the link in the show notes if you need to figure out how to get tickets. But there are definitely worse ways you could spend a Saturday night, whether or not you enjoy football.
0: All right. So let's get into the first item in the news today. The reviews are in for M. Butterfly's Broadway Return.
1: Yeah, James. Uh, this one we've heard a lot about this show uh, as it's been making its way to opening night. As we know, it is a it's the first Broadway revival of David Henry Wong's Tony Award-winning play. It's directed by Julie Taymor and features uh, acclaimed stage and screen star Clive Owen, a while as introducing the recent college grad Jin Ha. It is currently playing at the Court Theatre, and James. Uh, The reviews, I I don't really know what to make of them, to be honest with you. It it seems like they are fairly divergent. Um, There doesn't seem to be a median consensus, but everything seems to be on opposite spectrums. Ben Brantley of the New York Times led the way, saying, quote, though it bent and blew the minds of rapt rapt audiences with its Elusive opulence nearly three decades ago. David Henry Wong's M Butterfly returns to Broadway on heavier, drabber wings. True, the revival that opened on Thursday night at the Court Theatre, directed by Julie Taymor, has basically the same anatomy as its predecessor. But it has undeniably morphed into a more prosaic creature, and the tantalizing mists that surround its initial run have dissolved as if under a harsh morning sun. With the enigmatic title character in this breakthrough drama about the illusions of sexual and cultural identity is brusquely commanded to strip by a stricken suitor, you're apt to think, no need, guys, that's already been taken care of. Okay Adam Feldman of Time Out New York though Gave the show four out of five stars He said quote Three decades later M. Butterfly remains provocative and timely With a great deal to unpack In part because Wong In an unusually extensive revision of the text For its current Broadway revival Has stuffed it with new information These changes among others Help shift the storytelling away from symbolism And toward a more specific account Of a particular relationship albeit a bizarre one. Sarah Holdren, quickly becoming my favorite theatrical critic in New York, writing for Vulture, said, quote, Despite compelling performances by both leads, especially Ha, whose song is a consummate actor, layers of carefully cultivated performance, and on an iron core whose only real law is survival, both play and production wander into clunkiness and confusion. The story is told almost entirely through flashback. Charles Isherwood writing for Broadway News Which I think is supposedly going to be a website At some point in the near future I'm not 100% sure Anyway, Isherwood wrote "Quote: Though it ends with a tragic death That mimics the searing ending of Puccini's Madame Butterfly Which is alluded to and heard in bits throughout Timor's plotting, sometimes fussy staging Coupled with Wong's revised version of the play Ultimately leave a weary, watery impression Today the play seems overstuffed with now shop-worn metatheatrical gambits, as well as self-explanatory dialogue that bluntly lays bare its themes. Plus, there's the melodramatic climax For a big finish So James, it seems, you know, there's a few people Like Adam Feldman Who think this new take on it From both Wong's revision And Tamar's direction uh, Make it a more poignant personal story The others think it robs The show of what made it so special Three decades ago So I'm interested to hear what you and Peter and Michael Think on this week on Broadway uh, When you do eventually see it I think you're seeing it next week But um, not the reviews that I think you would expect from Tamor doing such a big theatrically showy show, um, it's just kind of seems to be hit or miss depending on your personal preferences here.
0: Oftentimes, it takes us a long time to absorb what Julie Tamor does on, sc- on the stage hmm, that's and fair. on screen. Yeah. So we'll see next week uh, uh, when I, I see it next week. And um, I think Michael already saw it uh, and we'll talk about it soon. All right, so next up, English National Opera to revive chess next spring.
1: Start the rumors. Last night, it was first reported by the Daily Mail's Baz Bama Boy and then confirmed via press release that the English National Opera will be reviving the beloved but flawed musical Chess next spring. Written by Sir Tim Rice and Abbas Benny Anderson and Bjorn Alvaeus, this show will be the first West End revival following the original 1986 production. This strictly five week run. We'll see about that. We'll begin on April 26th of next year. Tickets go on sale a week from today at 10 a.m. London time. This show, if you're unfamiliar, is about love, Cold War politics, and well, chess. Um, And it'll feature Eno's 48-person orchestra as well as the company's acclaimed choir, very similar to a show that we'll talk about here in a second that Eno recently did. The musical features some unbelievably incredible songs like I Know Him So Well, One Night in Bangkok, Anthem, Someone Else's Story, Heaven Help My Heart, and Pity the Child. But the story and book itself has always been a problem, and the show has basically been undergoing revisions nonstop since its original opening three decades ago. Now, James, we have heard... Fairly recent Broadway revival rumblings for chess. Um, I mean, even earlier this year, uh, Michael Riedel was talking about it in his column. And the ENO's production of Sunset Boulevard made a fairly well-known transfer to New York earlier this year. So you have to start to wonder if this is the plan for chess. Uh, In 2008, there was a starry UK concert of the show, which starred Josh Groban and Adam Pascal, who also did an Actors Fund version of the show in 2003. The UK concert also featured Adina Menzel and Carrie Ellis. So James, I, I think whether or not there's any plans to move this production to New York, I imagine we're going to be talking about it and speculating about it from now until whenever we know whether or not it's doing it.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I think that there's a, a core group of people who really would want, would want a chess revival on Broadway, and I'm part of that group. Uh, it's just – it's a tough book and they, every time people try to fix it, it's like a big game of Jenga. Something else falls apart or, when you fix it. <laughs>
1: or, or it's a big game of chess because I have no idea how to play chess. I'm terrible. I'm mm. awful. It doesn't make sense. But I think you would have to have somebody like Groban and not necessarily saying that he would come back to this show and play yet another Russian um, but um, you'd have to have someone like that to be able to sell this show. It's not a show that I think has a ton of appeal on its own merits outside of us theatrical folk who know the the cast recording and 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 know the concerts and the original versions um i I don't know that a story about the Cold War and chess is something that's going to drive people to the theater without having a big name star or two. I can't see Adina coming back and doing this, Um, but I could see Groban doing it. He's been attached with this show in one way or another for like 14, 15 years. So maybe not in the UK, maybe in Broadway. I I, I don't know, but I would imagine um, that he will at least be approached in one way or another.
0: I think um, right about, you know, if it does transfer to Broadway 2018, 19, maybe Bette Midler be free. (laughs) She would. She
1: she would be great. Yeah, that's Freddie. You know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's up in the show and casting news? All right. Yesterday, it was announced that the upcoming Broadway transfer of the Shakespeare's Globe production. Keep that in mind. Originated the Shakespeare's Globe um, of Farinelli and the King will be selling on stage seating at the Belasco beginning Wednesday at 10 a.m. New York time. There will be two seating areas on stage. There'll be an upper gallery, and then on the stage level where you are. I mean, right there, can reach out and touch the actors. Those tickets will run from 32 to $157. Also, the front two rows of the Belasco will be taken out and replaced with banquette seating, you know, like the big long rows where there's no individual seats. And those tickets will go on sale Wednesday as well. Now, you think, oh, man, I don't want to sit on seats with no armrests. They're cushioned and apparently very nice, James, and this is part of an attempt to recreate the Jacobian era theater experience um, where um, Shakespeare would have originally had his shows and where Shakespeare's Globe um, has kind of redone that as well. But it's not the only way they're trying to recreate that experience because they are also going to be almost entirely lighting the show by candlelight. And the show will also feature music from authentic Baroque instruments. Also, over 200 seats at every performance will be set aside to be sold at $32. These tickets, which are bookable in advance, it's not just rush seats, um, include seating at all levels of the theater, as well as a selection of the seats on stage. Um, So that'll mean that throughout the course of the show's run, 25,000 tickets will be sold for just $32, which... I didn't know that the show was doing this. If they had, this is the first time I'm hearing of it. But I think this is a a wonderful way for people who might not normally get to see a really kind of acclaimed play to see it for fairly cheap. So I'm very impressed by the producers doing this here. It is produced by uh, by Sonia Friedman Productions and Shakespeare's Globe. So good for them. If you're unfamiliar with the plot of the show, King Philippe V of Spain, played by The indomitable Tony and Oscar winner Mark Rylance is plagued by insomnia and lies awake in his chamber. The queen, desperate for a cure, hears of Farinelli, a castrato with a voice so divine it has the power to captivate all who hear it. Philippe is astonished when Farinelli sings and begs him to stay. But will Farinelli, one of the greatest celebrities of his time, choose a life of solitude over fame and fortune? In the opera houses of Europe, it makes me think of uh, the Stephen Schwartz, Patti Lapone song, Meadowlark. But um, this is cool. I, I think I love everything about this story. I'm, I'm very impressed with mm-hmm. um, what Sonia Friedman and The Globe are doing here, as well as uh, Paula Marie Black, who's also one of the producers. Who's playing Farinelli, have they said? Um, yeah, I think it's the same person. I don't know off the top of my head. Let me see if I can scroll through here. It is Sam Crane, who um, I believe played the role in in England as well.
0: Ah, makes you wonder if there'll be a cast recording of this play. Yeah, could be. Absolutely. <laughs> if it's not Baroque.
1: Anyway. <laughs> e- Don't fix Van- it. <laughs> <laughs> e- <laughs>
0: Eva Van Hova to bring the Fountainhead to BAM.
1: Yeah, James, we've been a bit Von Hova light on this yes. show lately. It's felt weird. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little uncomfortable with that. Uh, but have no fear. Starting next month, the inexhaustible Belgian, Belgian director will be back working in New York uh as his adaptation of Anne Rand's Fountainhead makes its U.S. premiere at the Brooklyn Academy of Music just from November 28th through December 2nd. And Rand, a native Russian whose place in popular and political consciousness has become a bit more controversial uh, over recent years, thanks to a kind of bizarre devotion by our Speaker of the House, um, wrote Fountainhead as a rebuke of Soviet-era communism, and in the novel, a brilliant architect, Howard Rourke, uh, refuses to compromise his creative vision. Pitted against colleagues who cave to popular and corporate interests, he pursues a relentless quest for individualism, which is tested when he falls in love with a kindred spirit, Dominique Francon. The production, which only runs for five days, will be presented in Dutch with English titles, but... I'm sure uh, uh, it is being done at BAM's um, Opera Hall, so I think that's probably not to be completely unsurprised. But it will be—we'll have English titles, and it's Ivo Van Hover direction, so I'm sure it will be fantastic. In other, <laughs> what? Why is that funny?
0: I, I'm just—I'm just thinking, how else can they make this more accessible to the public? <laughs> <laughs>
1: in Dutch, about Anne Rand. Ayn Rand ran in five Dutch days. for five days in Brooklyn. I, Yeah. (laughs) Do you you think you can get Paul Ryan to come up from uh, DC to see it? I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's got it on his Ayn Rand Google Alerts that he knows it's coming. I'm thinking there's people in Park Slope that won't even go over to see this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But knowing Evo Van Hova, I'm sure he has a very specific point of view for this, yeah. so I'm not exactly sure. Either way. Um, also, speaking of shows not on the Broadway, yesterday the York Theatre Company announced that they had extended their country western slash Shakespeare musical Desperate Measures for a whole other month for full weeks. The show will now run through november 26th off broadway congratulations to our friend lauren molina and everybody else in the show there and finally in this section on thursday producers announced the final bit of casting for the return production of cruel intentions the musical and here's something i didn't think i would be saying today as former home improvement star patricia richardson will play mrs bunny caldwell (laughs) <laughs> the show will also feature Lauren Zachran, Constantine Rasouli, Carrie St. Louis, Jesse Shelton, Alex Boniello, and more. And we'll play La Poison Rouge for a 10-week run beginning on Friday, November 17th.
0: So uh, uh, let's go off script for a second here. I didn't see that you uh, included this news-breaking information that Game of Thrones, the, the rock musical, has changed their name.
1: Yeah, it's like Shame of Thrones now. Yeah,
0: they, they, I, I have a feeling I haven't they haven't seen a, anything about cease and, about desist, cease and yet. desist. You haven't seen yeah. anything about. Uh, they were like, "Yeah, we're going to change our name now." <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm sure that was done completely for artistic purposes.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, as uh, Peter Felicia's review on this week on Broadway talks about the artistic achievements that they had <laughs> <laughs> in, that, in that show over at the former Snapple Theater. Cherry orbach theater and uh all right uh what's up in the recommendation section
1: all right i've got three things and i'll just hit on them real quick because we spent a little bit more time than planned on our uh our bet but first off uh peter marks in the washington post has an article kind of about the trajectory of mean girls the musical starting with um you know tina fey doing the screenplay and then trying to morph it into a broadway musical so it's a really nice long look at it nothing too revelatory in there, but some great behind the scenes photos of her and her husband composer Jeff Richmond and the cast and Nell Benjamin and all that stuff. Uh, so it's a really cool article. So check that out. And then also over in the New York Times, Keith Williams has a uh, a, a pretty interesting article talking with uh, Jennifer Ashley Tepper and some other people about where the name Broadway came from. Pretty interesting. It's it's actually filed under in the New York Times. It's under New York slash region, but just above the byline, it just says FYI, which I think is a just that's what this article is. It's just for your information. No real specific reason, but it's just interesting. And then finally tonight... On PBS, uh, the recent Broadway revival of Falsettos will air on PBS. Um, Obviously, check your local listings because it's a little bit different everywhere. But this has been one of those things that um, PBS has been doing all fall bringing Broadway shows. They started last week with She Loves Me, and they'll have other Broadway-related content on Friday nights throughout November. Um, So this one's pretty cool. This is part of Live from Lincoln Center but it doesn't really matter. It's falsettos. It's on PBS. I think it's a, a airing at nine o'clock in a lot of places, but make sure you check your DVR or your TV guide if you still have one to uh, make sure you know where it is playing in your area.
0: Uh little trivia Did you know that Broadway is the longest street in Manhattan?
1: Um, I think I did know that, and it makes sense. I mean, that, I, I, yeah, I think that makes sense.
0: Cool. i'd like i'd like to say it's the longest street in new york city but it's probably not in all of new york city Pro- probably just covers the longest street in manhattan somebody yeah. fact check us there <laughs> fake news all right why don't you get us out of here
1: all right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter, at Matt, and subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. James, I don't know if you know this, but tomorrow in this very feed, we'll have a new episode of On My Way to a BFA with Natalie Nowak.
0: I did not know that. I was wondering what if there was something happening on Saturday for us. On Sunday, we have This Week on Broadway, uh, where the return of Genetessa Fox will... Uh, Will be much applauded. And uh, Matt and I will come back and talk with you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks. What?